to the House of Minds, a podcast experience where we dive into individuals' journeys and mindsets with the intention and potential to bring you keys to unlock and expand your mind into new realities and possibilities, because we can all learn something from everyone. All you must bring is a desire to learn, an open mind, and the trust that the universe is always working for you. What will the House of Minds bring you today? Welcome, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of House of Minds. My name is Christina Lynn. I'll be your podcast host today. And we'll be speaking with Lisa Van Leeuwen from Phoenix, Arizona, yoga instructor and founder of Do Yoga with Lisa, where she works with clients through different yoga modalities to offer yoga for every phase of your cycle and life. Lisa has found her passion and calling through specializing in pelvic floor yoga and has developed signature period yoga classes, which prevent and ease painful period cramps. We'll be diving um, all into that today and all into who Lisa is. So thank you so much for coming on to the podcast today. And I'm excited for our episode. Thank you for having me. Yes, my pleasure. All right. And yogi style and fashion, let's begin with just a quick one to two minute mindfulness practice. Bring us into full presence, get the wiggles out, uh, move anything out from our day and just be here. So for any listeners that are listening, please keep your eyes open. If you're operating any heavy machinery or driving a car to keep you safe, if it's safe to do so, go ahead and close your eyes for the rest of us. Start to drop into your body. So notice anything that's contacting the floor. If you're seated on a chair, you could place your feet to the ground. If you're seated on the ground, feel the weight of your thighs and your hips grounding you down. Draw your awareness to the space between your sit bones, your pelvis. Start to tune into the energy there and draw it back in and up into you. Becoming your own channel, your own conduit of your energy. Draw it up around your belly button, your belly. Pause for a moment. Notice the energy that might be hanging out there. Anything that's not yours, push it away. Anything that is yours, begin to draw and tap into it. Move your awareness up into your chest. Tune into your heart space. It's warmth, it's light. Notice your shoulders, any heaviness or weights that you're carrying there. Start to allow it to roll down and off your back. Bringing your gaze up through your throat, clearing the way for authentic expression. And then all the way up around your jaw, wrap your gaze around your cheekbones to the tip of your nose. See your breath moving in and out of your body and start to slow your breath down. Breathe deeper and create an even pace between each inhale and each exhale. And start to use your breath as that lovely cycle that it is just like the ocean wave of things moving in, things moving out. Start to draw in some presence with yourself, some fresh, clear space with each inhale. 
Use your exhales to let go of the rest. Thoughts, your day, anything that has yet to happen, leave it to the side. Just be here in this space, fully present in your body. We'll take one more deep breath to seal that intention of presence to allow authentic conversation, conscious conversation to flow through. Go ahead and empty your body completely of all its air. Start to draw your inhale in through your nose. Watch it go down your throat, into your lungs, into your belly, maybe even into your hips. Pause at the top of your breath. Notice maybe a little bit of discomfort start to arise. Lean into it, knowing it'll pass. When you're ready, open your mouth. Sigh or exhale out, let it go. Flushing anything that needs to go with it. Start to slowly open your eyes as you're ready. And let's begin. All right, Yogi, Yogi talk, yay, one of my favorite things. <laughs> Let's talk about what led you into yoga, your journey with fitness. I know on your website, you kind of dive into that as far as your journey of self-improvement and how it led you into this space. So let's start there. Yeah, so I didn't actually love yoga from the beginning. Um, I found it like really intimidating and almost like a club and everybody knew the rules and I just was the only one who wasn't aware. <laughs> and so I really couldn't relax or quiet my mind. But then once I found the right teacher um, and someone who started to really explain what the poses meant so that I could kind of drop into the deeper effects of the practice. It really, really helped me for anxiety. Um, and so when I took my first 200 hour yoga teacher training, um, I didn't plan to teach. I was just going to deepen my practice. Like, so to- I feel like that's just a common story. I don't want to teach. Yes, you do. <laughs> but you just don't know it yet, right? I didn't even sign up for the whole training. I only signed up for like one of the three modules. And the teacher the first day was like, did one of you sign up for like only one out of three of the, and I was like, I'm just going to like, see how it goes. <laughs> love it. You were like, I'm committed for the first module and then we'll see. Yeah. I'll be here for a month. Yeah. Maybe not more. So, um, I was really, really lucky that my, uh, first yoga teacher trainer really mentored and was a great one. And, um, so yeah, after that, I started to really, like you said, like a journey of, um, self-growth and self-discovery and, um, took a lot of the practice off the mat and into the world with me. And, um, yeah, my yoga doesn't quite look what, what it used to look like. It used to be a lot more physical, but I, um, my physical practice is more like adult nap time these days. <laughs> Love it. And I, I'm only here for the Shavasana. I used to hate it. And now it's my favorite pose. Um, so I, it's very relaxing yoga as far as my personal practice. And then as, as far as being a teacher, I really, really focused on learning um, more about pelvic yoga and the pelvis. And um, it helped me with my period pain and my 
um, all sorts of different pelvic pain I was having. And so really where I've started to continue learning, uh, I don't, I will say there's not much in the way of yoga, pelvic yoga teaching. So I'm kind of piecing it together. You're pioneering it. Yeah. I'm really, really lucky that I've like learned from some of the best people in the field. And then after that, I've just been piecing together here and there. So, which is typically how it goes. Okay. So with your first class, it sounds like, and this, I feel like this is so typical and this is why I want to bring it up and touch up on it. Yeah. Because when we do go into that first yoga class, it can be so intimidating and it's so reflective of like the monkey brain, right? Where we're comparing, um, we don't know the Sanskrit. We're like, what are we doing? Am I supposed to be doing it? My body doesn't look like that. You can't even relax into your mat and like into the practice. So I think it's important for people that are going into their first yoga class to like realize that is completely normal. And that is a part of it. And that's actually part of the practice because then you do eventually arrive to this beautiful space where you do go in and regardless of like, I know what I'm doing. I'm not, I don't know what I'm doing. Like I'm doing it right. You kind of let that go where yoga becomes a space, not so much of like a physical, sure. There's still the physical part of it, which is important. It's one of like the eight limbs. Um, and we know that aligning into those postures helps draw you into your mind. But the other part of it is like tuning into your mental and emotional space and letting kind of like rummaging through and starting to let some of that monkey mind go to bring yourself back to your breath and your presence. So I love that you brought that up because that's such a good point of like, yeah, you're probably not going to have that the first time you ever go into a yoga class. So when people say like, oh yeah, it's this wonderful bliss and this wonderful Zen (laughs) and you go and you're like, what the fuck am I missing? Because I didn't feel that. Like I was just trying to keep up with the class or like not lose my breath or not die. Like that is so normal. But if you keep sticking with it and like keep going back, then the other stuff will come through. It's weird because it's like certain poses that and things that I used to find so anxiety inducing really now are relaxing. Um, But it's yeah, I think once you start to feel more comfortable on the mat, Mm -hmm. then you can tap into those deeper benefits. But if you're sitting there the whole time going, what the heck is down dog? And if they haven't even taught you that, then it's hard to like tap into anything else. So I'm glad I stuck with it. Like the universe kept putting it back in front of me, like try it again, (laughs) try it again. It'll do that. It'll do that. Right. And then when you start to listen and, um, Oh, there was something else I wanted to bring up about that. Dang it. Oh, well, it'll come back. Tell me about the teachers and like the mentors that you had, like you said, your first teacher was really the one that helped you kind of come out of that. Yeah. So I was lucky that I had like a teacher who really helped me like tap into the practice. And then my yoga teacher training, my teacher was just so a balance of, um, I say clinical meets spiritual, you know, like she really got the anatomy side and really offered a lot of modifications, which I hadn't really seen much as far as being a student to the studios that I had gone to up until that point. And so she really showed me how to modify for my body, but then she also taught all of the philosophy, the emotional side. So it was a, it was a really good blend. And I would say like, I probably take after that where I really want to help you with the alignment, but I also want to tap into the deeper benefits 
um, beyond the physical. Yeah. Is she, was she local here? Was that local in Arizona? Yeah. So she, uh, Laura McKenzie. And so she, I was really lucky to end up having her mentor me more after the program. And I even like helped her with a book. So I got to do all like the modeling for the book, which is like a lot of pressure when you're, when you're like yoga mentor is like, okay. And these poses, like, this is how I'm going to teach other people to use it. So it has to look a certain way. Like we have to do this. You're like, oh crap. Now it actually does have to be a certain way. <laughs> well, and then she started to like show me like, cause the first book we finished and I did all the poses. And then like the second and third books started to have poses that I was like, I'm going to need a body double. <laughs> and so I was really lucky that, uh, I, my, my girlfriend, like, and when you look through the book, it's like hard to tell like who's who, but like, I know which poses for the most part. I'm like, well, I'm guessing I didn't do this one. <laughs> And so I was really lucky to help her. Yeah. I helped her with that. And like her whole, um, it's a cueing book. And so like, um, she was always about like, even in the beginning of our practice as teachers, we couldn't physically demonstrate. She wanted us to verbally get people there. Okay. And so I think that was really nice for me because it helped me tap into my body and quit trying to worry about going the furthest I could go and really feeling out the pose. Um, I spent my whole first month of yoga teacher training in a back brace because I, my ego in the beginning was like, look how, look what I can do. Look how far I can bend. And like, just because you can, doesn't always mean you should. And so I think now I teach a big balance of yin and yang effort and ease um, because I tend to put forth like a little, like too much effort. (laughs) Well, and that's kind of force it that I totally, I totally hear you there, girl, <laughs> that like you're speaking to the, to the, the pro of that. <laughs> that's why I teach you in yoga because everybody's like, you're so peaceful when I teach yoga. And I'm like, really? Okay. And because I think you teach what you need. And so like, yeah. I think of myself as like a super yang person who, you know, like I, I think of myself as a little uptight or a little anxious. And so I teach so much yang because I think I need so much yang in my life. So like I used to teach strength yoga, but like when I was doing it, I was like going too far and like pushing that edge. And, um, so I think it's been a nice balance for me to like teach a slower paced class. I still like to take some of the other ones once in a while, but it's good to have a mix and that like the yin and the yang, that's the beauty of the masculine and the feminine. So when we lead completely from that masculine energy, it is like very strong energy and ego and drive, but it's important to realize like we're all, we all have a balance male or female of the yin and the yang, the feminine and the masculine and being okay to like, the feminine energy is more the surrender, the nurturing. And so learning to be on our mat and say, it's okay if I don't do this balancing pose today. It's okay if I can't go as deep into my warrior too. Like, it's okay for me to actually nurture and listen to my body. <laughs> and I say, here. I say you always know who's a yoga teacher in a class because like, like those points where the teacher will be like, and you can add a push up if you want. And it's like, no. <laughs> and then like the people who are like, um, you know, you can choose five breaths in down dog or five breaths in child's pose. And then like all the teachers are like down in child's pose. And it's just the beginning of my teaching. I was like completely different, but like, 
I think I got so many injuries in the very beginning of my yoga student and teacher life where um, I learned really quick that that was not a sustainable way to practice or teach yoga. Yeah. Um, so I'm grateful I figured it out sooner rather than later. You listened to the universe. Yeah, my knee wouldn't have put up with it for much longer. So, <laughs> and you're back. Did so? Did you know? Like, when did you know that you were going to continue yoga training? Um, it. I just like. I don't even know. Like, I just like automatically after that first day. I feel like I was just like, take the rest of my money. I'm signing up. Yeah, were sold. What sold you? Do you remember? I mean, she was just amazing. It was her energy. I picked it based on the teacher. Like, it's funny because um, I just signed up for a prenatal yoga program that I'm going to be taking. And I told this lady from my first training, I told her that like, oh, I I set up a call and, you know, it's more about the teacher for me. And she's like, this is your MO. Like, like, I don't care what information you have on your website. Like, I want to talk to the teacher. And then I'll make my decision. And so um, it really was just about the teacher. And I've picked every single one of my yoga teacher trainings that way by like doing a one-on-one phone call. And um, even the middle one that I took, my 300 hour, that was not as... um, not as as ideal, we'll say, as my my first training. And it had a lot of negative aspects. But for me, I don't look back and like regret it. Like it was exactly the training I needed. And I would say the first training taught me what kind of teacher I wanted to be. And the second taught me what kind of teacher I don't want to be. Mm -hmm. Um, And it really helped me learn a lot of boundaries as a student and a teacher. And so um, I always just picked it based off of the teacher. That's awesome. And it sounds like you allowed your intuition to, to guide you so that even when you were in those experiences that you were like, oh, I didn't expect this. You still walked away with something from it. um, Yeah. And took something from the experience and just followed the flow. Right. Normally I overthink a lot of decisions and I feel like um, all of those decisions for me were like so gut related Mm -hmm. and And normally I want to research everything. And I, every single one of my trainings was the first person I called. (laughs) Like I already knew. (laughs) Isn't that funny? So wait, you followed your gut and your intuition and it led you exactly to what you needed. (laughs) So we don't have to overthink and over research and over. (laughs) Like some of the things were like all by accident. Like, like it's all like little uh, no mistakes, just happy accidents, like all along yep. the way, just like Bob Ross my way through my yoga training. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I feel like they're, um, very similar in that aspect where like vibes and energy, and I'll also pick situations, experiences, people's like pretty intentionally based on why well, I really like this, or I really like that. Even if it's not logical, like, yeah. It's a vibe thing. And also like, I really like how they do this and this really resonates. It's not, it's an alignment thing. So when you don't doubt it and when you don't kill it with like the logic or the reason, it's just exactly what you needed. I've tried to logic my way out of teaching like pelvic yoga so many times. Cause I'm like, am I really teaching about like Kegels and peeing your pants and periods and like pain during sex when I was like, you know, 
like, I feel like I didn't have any education on this, like not a, not a long time ago, you know? And, um, and like these taboo topics. And it's like, for me, pelvic yoga, if I would have put it on paper, it like never was going to make sense. Like, but all these little things like kept leading me right to it, you know? So it was like, almost like yoga felt that way. Pelvic yoga felt that way. Like it's like, it kept coming back to me until I was ready. And so I feel like, you know, what you were saying, like you might not like yoga right at the beginning or certain things, but I feel like if it's meant for you, like it'll keep coming back around. And when you're ready, you know, once I was ready to kind of receive all that yoga had to offer. Um, and once I was like re- able to receive rest and relaxation and quit, go, go, go and do, do, do. And if I just go try ahead. harder, <laughs> like I just like a recovering perfectionist. I can, I can willpower it into happening. <laughs> Yeah, ditto. You're st- if I just hustle harder, I, I just stick this one more thing in here, it's gonna happen. Oh, yeah. It sounds like letting go of the ego too, of like the ego's way of how things should look or should be, or should like the, all the shoulds and just following shooting all over yourself. Yes, exactly. <laughs> And it's so true. The universe will continue to cycle it around you until you get it and you look at it and you feel it. And you're like, oh, this just fits. It's just, you mean this is the path I'm supposed to take? Yep. Like dropping the ego. And that's what the practice is too, right? In, in yoga, dropping like judgment, dropping um, like controlling or how the things should look and just learning to like be in your body in the experience and notice how it feels and let it be what it is. Yeah. Like quit doing and start being mm-hmm. totally, yeah. totally. What, so was yoga, did other things like lead you into your journey of self-improvement or was yoga really the start? Um, I would say like for me, I struggled with anxiety a lot and in my early to mid twenties, I was prescribed, like I was diagnosed with OCD and, um, was being treated for anxiety and, you know, psychiatrist put me on pills for that, but then also had me on pills for attention. So I was on Adderall. So it was uppers and downers and uppers and downers. And I, I was an insomniac and I was really, really anxious and really, really depressed. And, um, I was just starting to go down that path of just like over medicating, but like, I wasn't feeling better. I was feeling worse and I never was physically active at all. Like I, I was like, a workout like once a year kind of person. Yeah. Um, and I just was, um, self-soothing in some really unhealthy ways for a really long time. And that all combined, um, and the psychiatrist just kept upping dosages, upping dosages, and then one time I was like, do you have anything else like, like outside of the pills? Like, is there anything else you can like give me along with the medication? And so he gave me a book and it was called the cow in the parking lot, the Zen guide to anger management. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm not here for anger. And he was like, yeah, I think it's really going to help with your OCD. And basically it's 
like a lot of Buddhist philosophy. And um, so I read that book and back then I hated books. And I remember being like, I don't even know why I'm reading this and like having such an attitude about it and reading it. And like my anxiety started to make so much more sense. And um, so was really grateful for the fact that he actually gave me that book. Um, And then I moved out here and was like working at a Cairo PT office and um, just started to get off of the medications and started to realize how much my breath was affecting my anxiety. Like I was always like a really big chest breather. My ribs always were going out and um, started to move my body doing yoga. And yeah, just kind of snowballed in a good way from there. Like I wouldn't even recognize myself. Like if, if me from 10 years ago, like I, I would have never thought I was going to be a yoga teacher. That's for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. What a journey that leads like right into. So anger, once you started reading the book, um, cause you mentioned too, that it's helped you with like anxiety and anger. Did you start to realize that like you were holding on to some anger or there were some things there to kind of dive into and let go emotionally. Yeah, for sure. Like, I feel like, you know, that yin and yang topic we talked about, like, I, I feel like, although I love teaching, like so many different kinds of students, like my favorite are like, give me your anxious, angry, uptight. And that might be in your body, your mind, or your pelvic floor. Like it's all excess yang, you know, it's all that, like, tension it's not so much strength it's like over tense and there's not that movement that fluidity that flexibility um and I feel like I don't even identify with OCD anymore at least for myself like um not to say that it's not still there but like I I feel like the practice of yoga helped me have a relationship with anxiety like I never really thought I could have like it's still there, but I have a relationship with it. That's like manageable, you know, it's not like my enemy anymore. Um, oh and my so God, I God, you like acceptance. Yeah. It's not my dark passenger. If you're <laughs> just kidding. Sorry. <laughs> the Dexter reference, but like, I just feel like for me, um, yeah. Like, I think I originally thought you could get a like get rid of anxiety altogether, um, which if someone's figured that out, let me know. Um, but for me, it was more about having a better relationship with it. And I like feel like yoga gave me the chance to feel control in a world that you can't really control, mm-hmm. but like, like my reactions, my, you know, like being able to self-soothe mm-hmm. and, and I mean, I honestly don't know how anyone has gotten through the past year and a half without yoga, because it's like literally given me the chance to, you know, this time of pause and reflection and, um, really, yeah, I feel like I really had to practice what I've been teaching. Yeah. Yeah. Like really living your practice on the mat and off the mat and it has to start on the mat. And I feel like I know when COVID started and even, so my history with yoga, I got really into yoga three years ago when I was going through a separation from my marriage and that led into a divorce. It was like the only thing that could 
that did emotionally stabilize me. Like it really became a rock. And then it even more so during COVID because it's a space that you can go into and like rummage in your mind and rummage through your feelings and come to a place of acceptance. It's almost like allowing yourself to feel and not like avoid, avoid, deny, or try to run away or try to fix. Yeah. Like it gives you that space where you don't have to do any of those other techniques or soothing methods. And it's a natural soothing method. And it's a space of acceptance where it's like, okay, this is how I'm feeling. And okay, now I can like move through it in a mindful way and accept and come out on the other side in like a clearer space because we can't, the pro the thinking or the feelings that created your problems is not going to create your solutions, right? We can't find solutions in that knotted up anxious place. We have to get to that clear place. Um, and I feel like I kind of led into another topic with that, but (laughs) that's just my brain, but then no, like the, that's the beauty of the yoga space though. Right. It's there for whatever you need it to be there on any given day. And it is a space where you can feel accept and move through. And like, like you said, become friends with every single part of you um, and then move through the world in this place of acceptance. And it's not so scary anymore when you can actually sit there and feel and when you can feel and be and realize, oh, like, this isn't that scary. It's actually just yeah. feeling um, and I don't have to run from it and I can be like friends with it. Um, so, yeah, I like that phrase. Um, you have to like feel it to heal it. And I feel like that for me was like I I was trying to avoid my anxiety, like the plague, whereas I think, and like we said before we got, like I hated Shavasana. Um, and now Shavasana is one of my favorite poses. I think before the silence scared me sitting still, I was fidgety. And, um, you know, now I love like acupuncture is one of my favorite ways to meditate because I literally can't move (laughs) and, you know, laying there for 40 minutes still, if you would have said that to me years ago, would have sounded like torture to like sit there and not move and be completely silent with my thoughts for 40 minutes. Whereas now she comes in and like, you want an extra few minutes? And I'm like, yeah. (laughs) I love it. Totally the other side, but that's the thing. You have to be able to sit still with yourself. And I, the practice of yoga, since you are moving through the physical postures, you do have a guide you have a guide that's bringing your attention back to your breath and to your body. It creates this space where you can gradually drop into the ease of, Oh, okay. Like it's okay for me to feel what I'm feeling. Yeah. Um, what were, can you remember, like think of any of the techniques that you like relied on or found yourself using as you started to let yourself feel the anxiety, like, be in the yoga space or anything you took off your mat and used, um, like in a real life situation? Um, for me, I realized that like my ribs were always out. And so like just 
gently taking your fingertips and kind of massaging down the center of your chest and feeling those little nubs of the ribs and seeing if any are tender. Um, and I've had students do this before to bring like awareness to their heart space and before our class and like nobody even realizes how tender this area is. Mm -hmm. And if you think about it, it's our only bones that are moving. Hopefully if you're, if we're breathing, they're moving 24 seven. Um, and so it's really common for them to go out. And if one of them goes out, it can restrict your breathing. And then, so realizing that, so some of the things I like to do, you know, just heart openers. And then I love the yoga wheel, big fan of the yoga wheel. Mm -hmm. Um, and then for me, I noticed, um, like I said, I was really chesty breather and I would bring all that breath up into your chest and not getting that low belly breath, which can add to that anxious, short breathing pattern. Mm -hmm. And so relaxing, um, the lower belly muscles, you know, so many of our yoga clothes, I mean, some of my favorite ones, I will say I'm wearing them right now but like, they're all about sucking you in. They're high-waisted. It's pulling us in. And so sometimes just one of the biggest cues I'll tell people in classes to roll down the pants a little bit and let their belly have room to breathe. Um, you know, I have a really tense pelvic floor. So if I'm adding tension to an already tense area, then I'm not giving my body space to expand and grow with that breath. Mm -hmm. And so I think, um, Finding those little things like my ribs, my pelvic floor, noticing areas where my breath was being limited and finding ways to breathe deeper um, really, really helped. And I will say um, finding out what yoga breathing techniques work for you and which ones don't. Mm -hmm. Some of them I find very relaxing, but like for me, like a bellows breath, no thanks. Like it's going to induce my anxiety. It's going to make me, you know, overheat make me feel it doesn't make me feel good so I know if that's cued in the class to modify but I think that's the thing is so many students don't know how to modify it or aren't given the option to take something else like I try to tell students like your the, your practice your choice mm -hmm. everything I give is optional like I don't care if you go take your own class over here like that's fine. Yeah. So I think just having, knowing that everything the teacher gives is a suggestion and finding ways to, you know, make it work for you. Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds like body awareness. So really just becoming yeah. aware of your body and dropping into your body, because when we get anxious, we're in our minds and we'll start to like drift away. So then we're not even really present in our bodies. So anything that's yes feels it is, it is an individual practice. So you kind of have to figure out what works for you, but anything that can bring you into your body, be it your breath, be it like feeling around on yourself, be it using your eyes to like, look around and draw you in anything to help you be present in the, in your body, in the here now. Yeah. It's what, crazy. Oh, sorry. No, you go <laughs> ahead. You go ahead. It's crazy you say that. Cause I was just, um, I taught a Yoni yoga class last week and I was like, you know, reading a lot before and like just finding some really great inspiration. I don't know if you've read Eastern body, Western mind. Uh-uh. Um, and okay. so yeah, Anna Dea Judith, I think really great book. And it like really connects the chakras and the body. And, okay. um, so you know, a lot of the work I do with pelvic yoga is really focused on your first and second chakra, mm -hmm. um, your root and your sacral. And 
um, it was talking about if we've had a lot of trauma, be it, you know, trauma during birth, sexual trauma, um, fairly painful periods, like whatever kind of trauma we've had in that space. Mm -hmm. And that if we start to ever block off our energy from that space, the lower chakras, then it starts to be all of our focus in this upper area of the body. Mm. And what that leads to is a deadened body and like an overly conscious mind. And then it can make you feel completely disconnected. Um, So again, so much yang and none of that grounding rooted in, you know, like how how out of balance that can be. Cause it sounds so great to be like, Oh, so conscious. But like, if you can't feel, and so like, that's one of the big things of like all those little touches of like, even just having the students, you know, massage their own feet or touch, you know, their ribs and like feeling into their own body, noticing where they're touching the earth um, and really grounding down. So like, I know I still can get very distracted in the yoga class. And so I think the senses are a great way to kind of come back to the present moment, whether it be what you see, what you hear, where you, what you feel, can you hear the sound of your breath? Um, so I think that's what I try to do a lot, especially in pelvic yoga, because, um, I think it can be very easy to start to get very in your head and just keep bringing it back to being in the body for a little while. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Did you do any, I do want to get into the pelvic yoga yeah. um, stuff. Did you do any like type of journaling or anything else with yoga as you dealt with your anxiety and other things? Love journaling. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. I really, really do think it's a vital part. And then I think um, chanting was like something that I really wasn't into in the beginning of my journey but like now brings me so much comfort. Um, so I, I think like chanting and, uh, for me, it's, I find like the best versions I love on, on Spotify and I will sing out to them and sometimes dance around. And so I think singing and dancing, um, along with the journaling have really, really helped me. Um, yeah. So there's this uh, one song called mental karate. So like if I ever like just need to shake it out or just need to like get moving, like sometimes I'll just need to shake it out a little bit. Mm-hmm. If the grounding and that stuff isn't kind of working, just kind of shake the, like literally shake the energy off because that's what movement is like. Yeah. Clearing space. That's all I've done. So much dancing. I've done a lot of journaling. Um, not so much big on the journaling right now, but as we're talking about, it, I'm like, I need to be journaling again. It's still a go-to, especially when I have like things come up mentally um, and or like feels where I'm like, okay, what am I feeling? I need to, to weave through it to kind of, because we're all going to have the old stories, right? Or the old like, patterns that we've kind of created throughout all our life experience but when we can actually get it out and see like oh that's not my reality anymore you know it's like you see it on the paper and you're like oh but that's not true anymore and it helps to have that space of reflection of like oh now I get to create something else new and it helps for focus too and moving about intentionally 
and making sure like you're in line with where you want to go and what you want to be doing. Um, so journaling is such a great activity, but dancing too. Oh yeah. Well, and it's funny, like you said, you like kind of read back and reflect and my friends and I were talking about this, like, do you ever read your journal things? And every, every one of them said that, yeah, I read my old ones. Like I never read my old entries. Yeah. (laughs) Like she gone, like it's already gone. But like, I've thought about, I, um, like, I love journal prompts. So I've thought about like maybe going and doing like a same round of ones that I've done before and like looking and seeing. Me kind of what's, what's changed, what's stayed the same. Yeah. It's just like interesting. Cause sometimes I feel like we won't, I, I know for, for myself, I don't give myself enough credit because again, it's like that perfectionist and the like <laughs> the overworking and that, but I want it to be this way. So I'll, I'll go back and read them and be like, oh yeah. Wow. Like you have done all this. Would you cut yourself some slack and allow yourself to be like right where you are and the journal prompts. Yeah. I have a couple journals that I really liked as far as like the prompts mm-hmm. and there was some where there were morning and evening. And it was just like a quick, like four or five morning, four or five evening. It took like 10 or 15 minutes, but again, it's cultivating, like getting stuff out of your brain and then cultivating the intention and the gratitude. Um, Cause there's something to be said about reminding yourself that it's so easy to like get caught up in that. I don't know. like the day to day or the things that aren't going right for overcoming <laughs> perfectionism and reminding yourself like, no, actually there's a shit ton in my life that I can be grateful for as well. Yeah. Some mindfulness slowing down. Yeah, totally. Totally. But yeah, the dancing, my favorite song right now is neurological by cat catspa it's pretty intense okay i don't know that i know that one (laughs) yeah i heard it so you'll have to send it to me yes one of my favorite yoga instructors is anton um he's been a great mentor whether he knows it or not like every time i'm in his class i swear to god i'll step on my mat and i'm like damn it I needed to hear that you were like, how did you read in my mind? I was thinking that and I know what I need to do. And you just freaking brought it back up. And it's like, it's right there. Um, but he does a lot of shaking in his classes. Like he'll mm-hmm. stand up on the mat and shake around. Um, so that song's great for that. Just, it's like intense and you just get the energy out. <laughs> shake it out. Yeah, totally. All right, let's um, dive into pelvic yoga, like, what so did your own like period cramps and your own pain lead you into that realm yeah I had really horrible cramps since like ever having a period and I got put on birth control really really young um and then when I was coming off birth control was like looking for things to do to naturally manage the cramps and then I also was like feeling a lot of pain during intercourse and um ended up finding pelvic physical therapy as a patient right around the same time that I found uh, pelvic yoga as a student. And so I read this amazing book, Pelvic Liberation, and um, loved it so much and ended up going and taking class from the author um, so awesome. let's look at you, your MO coming up again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so I, um, I went and I learned and I thought it was like really, really great training. 
um, and learned so much about like having a tense pelvic floor. Cause I think a lot of times, I don't know about you, but like growing up, I was always worried and me and all my friends were all worried about like, are we going to be tight enough? You know, blah, blah, blah. And actually most people have at least one side that's too tense. And so like tense doesn't equal strong. So you want your pelvic floor muscles to be strong and flexible. Mm -hmm. Um, and mine are just tense as I'll get out and have no give. And so Mm -hmm. that can cause things like period pain, pain during intercourse. Also, I used to think like you only have bladder issues if you have weak pelvic floor muscles. So like, I always thought like people just have bladder leaks after having a baby or something like that. And I wasn't leaking, but I had to go all the time. Um, and I'm still working on it myself because I do love my sparkling waters, um, which aren't so great for that. Um, But so I started to learn that like a lot of these things that I had just accepted as par for the course, you know, part of being a menstruator, part of being, you know, this is just, that's just normal. Oh, it is. Um, And I started to learn that it really wasn't normal. It really was signs that my body had an issue. And so my pelvic floor muscles needed to learn how to relax. So like for me, it would have been super counterproductive if someone would have told me to do Kegels. And then I, like when I started this journey was like using Yoni eggs, which have become so popular in the yoga world. And you hear a lot of people in the yoga world talking about the benefits of sticking a crystal in there, but nobody talks about like who shouldn't be doing that. Like there's a lot of people, most people, um, all crystal benefits aside, shouldn't be doing it because it's not good for your muscles. Like it's counterproductive. So like, if I'm already tense, yeah. like if you have a Charlie horse in your calf, am I going to go tell you to do weighted calf raises or like, you know, if you don't know how to do a Kegel properly, if you don't know how to do a regular squat, I'm going to tell you to do a weighted squat. And so, um, I'm really not a fan of like the Yoni egg trend that's happening in the yoga world. Yeah. Cause I think it'd be one thing if we were talking about who should and shouldn't do it, but Um, you know, I think anything like that, when it comes to menstrual health or sexual health to say that anything's a cure-all. Well, and that's like, that's like anything it's, yeah. I mean, you can break it down to this person should do this in their extended triangle and like, but then it's like, but that's not applicable to everybody. Yeah. Because everybody's body is different. We're all, we all have our individual things. So like period yoga, like period yoga is for some people, period yoga is like an online virtual class I do once a month. And it's great if you have period pain and pelvic tension and, you know, have all of these symptoms. But Mm -hmm. if you're someone with a really weak pelvic floor or you're at risk of an pelvic organ prolapse, which is, you know, not a good time. And so if you're at the risk of those things, then like that class isn't going to be good. You'd want to do like a private class and work on strengthening your pelvic muscles. And so like everybody's pelvic floor has different needs. So it's just really important to like you said, get in touch with your body and feeling. Mm -hmm. So like that's step one for most of my students is like, to bring awareness even into that space. Cause often that space has been hated on ignored, you know, we've numbed it. You know, I can't even tell you how many students 
will say that their gynecologist told them to just have a glass of wine before sex. And it's, you know, that's not the solution, you know, yeah, our, our pelvis isn't hurting because of lack of wine. Yeah. Or like, and I love a glass of wine. So I'm not hating on a glass of wine. Even if you like, I get the intention of wanting the body to relax, but there's different ways to do that. And you don't have to point people towards alcohol to, to relax the body, you know, like that could create other issues. <laughs> like, and well, and it's just like these solutions that like, you know, or, or people don't, aren't believed by their doctors about their like specific pain. And so I think like, that's one thing too, is just like a lot of the people I've talked to, like they're either trying my classes or they're, you know, trying pelvic physical therapy because they've tried everything else or they've like kind of almost like given up, you know, like they just think bladder leaks are normal. They just think having like excruciating pain is normal. And so I'm really, really hoping that pelvic yoga is pretty unknown right now. Like I'm hoping it catches on because right now in the yoga space, like we hear a lot of people say Mula Bandha and then they cue it as squeeze like you have to go pee. And that's like really not a great way to cue it. Um, uh, My teacher says the signs of the crotch. So you're having your, your urethral sphincter, your anal sphincter, and then you're feeling that lift of the pelvic floor. And then you're also feeling that inward. So it's an up and in. And so there's four things going on. There's not just squeezing, like you have to go pee. Um, and so, and like I said, most people really shouldn't even be doing Kegels. So for, for yoga teachers, I think it is really, really important. And I think our training like doesn't take a very, very deep dive into the pelvic muscles. Mm -hmm. And I think that's not yoga's fault. I think that's everywhere. I think like pelvic health is way behind it had like, especially menstruators, pelvic health. Um, I don't think until recently has been the priority. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like expanding awareness around it. And then also exploring other holistic ways to offer um, other alternatives besides like the contemporary or what is already out there. So growing awareness in that as well. And that's really interesting because so with my background, I taught uh, reformer Pilates for Mm -hmm. 2010 and we actually go over pelvic floor, like muscles and how to really activate them because that's part of your core wall, which Pilates is known to help strengthen. So I already kind of had all that background, but yeah, looking at the, like the anatomy and my yoga training myself, we didn't like really go over all of that. And even I remember having my own babies, I'm in the delivery room and they're telling me to push, like, I have to go number two. And like, I, in my head, I didn't say anything, but in my head, I'm like, yeah, whatever. No fucking way. I'm going to push with my pelvic floor muscles (laughs) because I, but because I knew I had the knowledge, but if people don't have the knowledge, how are they supposed to know? And then they're trusting these people that are giving them this information that can actually hurt them. Um, so yeah. And I feel like it's like most people don't ever find out about it, like anything about their pelvic floor until they've had a baby, which seems like 
shouldn't we know beforehand? And I'm just so grateful that I found out beforehand because like with me, I have a hypertonic or overly tense pelvic floor. So for me, I would be at like a much larger risk for tearing and for having issues, being able to relax into that push. And so like, I just know I'm so grateful, but like, why aren't we teaching that beforehand? You know? Yeah. Um, Why isn't there even like, I don't remember in school ever going through no menstruation class or being told, I mean, we're put in sex ed with everybody for like a semester, but why I didn't get a semester? I literally got a two hour sex ed seminar and like nothing really else. And so, yeah, they didn't teach us about this. I'm really excited. I'm working with a local Arizona charity, go with the flow. Um, and they are working to end period poverty and also working to really educate menstruators. And so myself, my pelvic PT, Dr. Kim, and a few other people, like a lot of my students have signed up to volunteer. Um, and I'm really excited because we're working on creating like a period education, like a free program. That's awesome. Yeah. And so um, it's got chills. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just so excited. I can't imagine like a whole generation of like empowered menstruators, like knowing how to track their cycle and like knowing like how to work with the phases of their cycle instead of like, I mean, I felt crazy in high school. Nobody explained any of it. And like, just to, just to have that like information, I just, I can't wait to see like what kind of change that, that can possibly do because like, I learned most of this at 30 and that's way too late to be learning about this. Yeah. We start menstruating at like 12 or 13 and information is information is empowering. Yes. Like, why are you going to tell me when I'm already you know, at least halfway, you know, can you hear me? Yeah. I kind of lost you there. It just doesn't make any sense to me why we wouldn't teach at a younger age. And so like, I've been reading all sorts of like great puberty education books and like finding lots of inspiration. And, um, I just, just kind of going to fill in all those things that I wish I had known before 30. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. I mean, that's part of your body. Like. Let's get yes. people in their bodies. Well, and I've heard one of my um, friends is letting me borrow one of the books that she says is too graphic for her daughter. And I'm like, I'll probably love it. Um, and I'm like, too graphic as in it shows her her own anatomy. Mm-hmm. So for like, I understand and everybody, every parent's got to make their own decision of when it's, when it's time to have those conversations. Uh, I was, I was raised by my grandparents and we never had those conversations. And I just, um, you know, like to think that we could avoid those, like all it did was create confusion and a lot of shame and a lot of, you know, um, feeling very alone. Like, I feel like me and my friends didn't even talk fully about our, our menstrual cycles. Well, and then it's even, it sets up this dangerous space because if your kids aren't going to hear it from you and hear accurate information from you, like the conversations you have with your children can be empowering and can give them a stance and give them information. But when you're not having those conversations, 
um, then it opens up this dangerous space of, well, they're going to get it from somewhere. And you don't know if it's going to be accurate. You don't really know what they're going to hear unless you're having these conversations with them. Um, and it just, it can open up so many like Pandora's box, little doors. So I feel like it's a generation two of getting over their own feelings of shame or their own uncomfortable feelings about having these conversations with their children um, so that you can have this space, like recognizing again, it's dropping into what are you feeling? Oh, I'm feeling really awkward about having this conversation. <laughs> okay. Well now what can I do to make it a little less awkward? Um, because they are important conversations to be having with your children to empower them um, and give them more knowledge, more information, and also a space for them to continue to come back and have that dialogue. Because if they're trying to have dialogues with you and they come to you one time and they don't feel like they can talk to you about it, or they feel like those weird feelings or vibes from you, chances are they're probably not going to come back. Um, and they're going to keep coming back less and less. So exactly. Well, and I feel like even when I was teaching yoga and wasn't like teaching pelvic yoga, I was always that teacher who parents felt they could like come talk about their bathroom stuff with, you know, even if I really? wasn't really, oh, was was like, <laughs> everybody was telling me about like their leaks and asking me questions and stuff. And so it's like, and these are 40 year olds asking me these questions. And so if they're not being taught this, how do we like even expect them to remotely tell their children? Exactly. And so yeah. I, I really do think that, um, I mean, even as I've read these puberty education books, I like want to go gift them to all my friends. Like you might maybe want to read this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And pass this information on. So how would you know if you have is there like anything that um, listeners can do or read on to know if you have a weak pelvic floor versus like the other extreme, the hypertense? Um, so I just did like a Yoni yoga workshop. So I'm planning to do more of those. I did it at abundant space up in Scottsdale, Arizona, and it was really great. Um, I've had some people ask for a virtual version. People out of state want to do it too. Uh, my period yoga is really about relaxing your pelvic floor, but the yoni yoga was more about the yin and the yang and starting to figure out which one do you need more of in your pelvic floor? Do you need more strengthening exercises? Do you need more stretch exercises? Are you one of those lucky people who might, you know, have a combo and need to work a little bit of both and which should you work first? And so we went over a lot of those things. Um, so until I get the next one of those planned or that online one up, I mean, definitely people can reach out and ask me questions. Um, I have a little quiz I can send people that can help um, them start to ask some questions, become more aware of their own pelvic floor. Mm -hmm. Um, and then one-on-one -on -one private. So a lot of what I do, you know, group classes are really fun and I really love it as an introductory thing, but each pelvic floor is so unique and like what you need, your neighbor might not need. And so I really do love working one-on-one -on -one virtually or in person, um, to find what you need. Is it that strength stretch or a combo? Do you have one side that has a little bit more going on than the other? Mm -hmm. um, how's your posture? You know, what other lifestyle things are you doing that's affecting your pelvic floor? 
Um, and so that's really, really where you start to pinpoint more and find that own body awareness. And then I would say, if you're starting to think that some of these issues that I've named off, like the bladder leaks, the pain during intercourse, if some of those are things you're experiencing, um, I really, really recommend seeing a pelvic physical therapist. Um, if comfortable, they can do an internal exam and then confirm, you know, they'll palpate the muscles. And so they can really say like, okay, these, this side is tense. You have some trigger points over here. Um, and then give you added instruction based on what they feel. Mm -hmm. Okay. Do you feel like too, the one-on-one is more of a comfortable space for you to kind of like dive in with clients? Like, do you feel clients are a little bit more maybe comfortable just being in that one-on-one with you um, to open up about what they're experiencing, feeling, and the issues that they're having? Yeah. I mean, a hundred percent, a lot of the times there's, um, like I said, trauma, whether that be birth or otherwise, um, that's involved. And so working one-to-one can definitely be a lot better fit. Um, but then there's some people who really want that, you know, group atmosphere. They just, you know, it depends. It really depends where people are at in their healing process. Um, I would also say whether it's pelvic yoga with me, anyone else, or um, pelvic physical therapy, I just really, really recommend having also a mental emotional support. Um, I did not take that recommendation when I first started doing pelvic yoga. And um, just like we said, you know, you come back to things and they circle back around in your life. I think healing kind of happens in like a spiral and you peel back layers of it. And so I think it's really, really crucial to have like added support, professional support, um, as you start to dive deeper into this pelvic space, uh, because it can unlock a lot. So, you know, we said it gets a lot of things moving. um, And I know for me, sometimes that's felt as hard coming out as it did going in. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think just being really gentle with yourself and knowing like there's been times, you know, I took this training so much before I was ready to actually share it because for me, I wasn't ready to hold the space for other people. I had to really do a lot of the work myself. And then there's still times where I'm like, Oh, I need to like ease back a little bit, or I need to take a month off of in-person classes because I need to refill my cup. I need to, you know, take a little, break from holding space. Yeah. And so I think just knowing that it's like not a linear thing and that you can pause as many times as you need, you can, um, pick it back up as many times as you need to. And well, that's the journey because that's life, right? Cause there are so many layers. So it is important to realize when things come up, um, okay, now I need to go hold space for myself right? Because I can't hold it for anybody else unless I can hold it for myself. And that's, that's going to continue. That's like the journey of undoing everything that, that we've, I want to say been through that, like we've internalized. Um, And yeah, when you're moving in your body and moving in, in your mind and getting into clearer spaces, those, those things or new spaces, those things will tend to come up. So it's taking care of yourself. That's like the lifelong um, 
goal or I don't know, effort is to continue to take care of yourself. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's like my period yoga every month. I try to time it like usually like on or before the full moon. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some people are like, oh, you should do period yoga on the new moon. And like, yeah, Um, some Karens who share their opinion of when I should have my classes. And I, I told them, I was like, well, I do that to honor my own cycle. I bleed with the new moon. So for me, although period yoga, you know, it's something you can practice on your period teaching period yoga is not something I recommend for people on their period. Like when I'm on my period, I want to, at least me, like I want to shut, shut off and go inward. Maybe some people feel really outgoing during their period or really are have space to hold for other people. Like for me, I don't have much space to hold for others during my period. Like I'm busy holding that for myself. So that's why I do period yoga on the full moon is because like, I try to plan my business around my period it sounds like you honor yourself and know yourself and what your needs and wants are (laughs) and then when the theme of this year has been boundaries yeah (laughs) and then when everyone else comes in with like no but these are my needs and wants then it yep great boundaries (laughs) and be you know you're not the I wonder if it's like an intuitive thing like for people that are very intuitive because I've another um friend who's super intuitive and who's also an intuitive guy she does the same thing where like she's recognized when I'm having my period, that's when I have to go in. And even like, if I think about it, that's an all tend to need to take time. Like I'll feel overwhelmed or um, tired really easily and have to, like my body kind of forces me to stay in and spend more time, like more downtime. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. See, like I plan around that. Like, it's like so interesting. Like like you wanted to like scheduling a call with you. Like I knew I would have to schedule it with you like either this week or I was going to have you wait two more weeks because I was going to PMS next week and be on my period the following. So it's like, you know, I think too, we've always been taught to power through, which is again, that yang, that go, go, go. And uh, I'm the opposite of that. Like I used to work somewhere where like, the slogan was get your ass to class. And I'm like more of a get your class ass to class. If you feel up to it, check in with yourself. How are you feeling today? <laughs> totally. Totally. Yeah. You're listening to yourself. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think once you tap more into your cycle, whether it is your period cycle or like your cycles of how you feel throughout the day, throughout the seasons, mm-hmm. um, I feel like it becomes much more clear and easy to have that, like that those intuitive messages become a little louder. Mm -hmm. If you listen and you make the the space and the time for it. (laughs) If you quit going, nah, 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 nah. Yeah. It's the, it's the practice. That's part of the practice too. (laughs) Totally. Totally. You're right. Yeah, it does. All right. Well, where can people find you? Um, I know you do the period yoga Tell us a little bit more and like the the private sessions, do you also offer um, other yoga modalities too, as far as like one-on-ones and group classes? I mean, I definitely have a focus, like I would prefer like all the pelvic yoga students, um, but I can totally do traditional yoga as well. Like if people don't want to work on their pelvic floor muscles, um, I would definitely say more the 
yin restorative slow flow um I have had requests for some kegels and core classes so I might start thinking about that um I offer in person and online so in person I offer um at abundant space in Scottsdale and biophilia in Phoenix and then online you can do virtually via zoom um and then if anybody wants to come to period yoga, the next one is on August 19th. Okay. Except aired. I don't know. Um, and so that one, my pelvic PT is going to be joining us and answering any questions that any of the yogis have about like, what is a pelvic PT? What do they do? How can it help period pain? Um, and so if they want more information on that, you can either follow me on Instagram, do yoga with Lisa or go to do yoga with Lisa.com and just check under the tabs for yoga and click period yoga. So I've had requests, like I said, I need to get some more in-person and virtual things planned. Um, but I got prenatal yoga training coming up. So Yay. really, if you have any pregnant listeners who are going to be pregnant in the months of September or October in Arizona, hit me up because might be down to give you some free yoga if you'll help me for my practicum (laughs) yes love that yes heck yeah Um, I'm like I need pregnant women who are willing to be filmed while doing yoga (laughs) there you go and it'll benefit you it'll bring that deeper connection not only with your body but baby too yes I love that um and seriously if anyone has questions like there's no such thing as silly questions um so like, don't be embarrassed. Feel free to reach out and ask me anything, um, about pelvic yoga or about yoga. And I'm happy like DMS on Instagram, I would say are like a much better method of reaching me than email. Okay. <laughs> Good to know for listeners. And yeah, yin yoga. I'm like, Hmm, maybe some yin. I feel like the yin yoga is the yummy stuff. I'm like, if you do yin yoga classes, I will totally be there. Cause that's, yeah. the, that's the yoga that I know I need to do. And then it's so, are you all yang? Um, I do a lot of yang. I do a lot of like, well, because I use it as my workout now. (laughs) And I do like, I like the athletic part of it. I was a gymnast. So Uh, I like the flowy vinyasa. I like the faster pace. And I like the gymnasts and the dancers are always the hardest ones because they always are like, yeah, but like yin's too slow for me. Yeah. And, I and can, then also the toes, I feel like the pointing of the toes. Yeah. Yeah. We're so detailed. And I like, I have gotten to a good point where I will take a slow class. I teach restore. I will do the yin yoga, but it's actually like, there's so many nights where I'll start to be cons- kind of consistent with my, no, I won't even use that word. I'll do like a night or two of yin back to back. And then it just goes to like nowhere. And it's something that I could be more, I'm not, I'm not opposed to it. And I recognize that I need it. And I probably get my like yin energy more through other things, like spending an afternoon reading a book or relaxing in the bath. Like I will still do or getting a pedicure. Right. Um, But no, it is something. Well, I'll help you add a little yin. The universe is like, and you help me add a little yang. Okay, cool. <laughs> Just yeah. not too much. Cause <laughs> <laughs> we'll 
we'll, we'll balance each other out. You can tell me, yeah. you can be like, Hey, this is going past my, my boundaries here. <laughs> oh, you'll just see me collapse. <laughs> like time for again on your mat, Shavasana. <laughs> no, we don't have to finish the series. My teacher said I can take child's pose whenever I want. <laughs> exactly i'm using my power of choice i love it love it all right i'm excited to hang out more and this is awesome anytime heck yeah i'd love to do some yoga in the park and yeah let's hang any let's wait a few more months until it's under 100 degrees you don't want to do hot yoga (laughs) there's my yang (laughs) more of a moon yoga (laughs) i love it any last little insights you wanted to share at all? Um, I would definitely just say, like, if you are on your yoga journey or your pelvic healing journey or both, um, you know, don't rush. Um, one of my favorite lines, Trevor Hall song is, you can't rush your healing. And so I would just say as much as you can just enjoy the ride and ask for help when you need it. And um, yeah, find that balance that works for you, right? Yeah, go within. The answers lie within. All right, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Have a good rest of your day. Thank you, you too. Thank you for tuning in to the House of Minds. Cheers to mind expansion 